We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Kilkenny Today on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Yes, welcome again to another Kilkenny Today with me, Anne Nolan, here on Community Radio Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. And if you want to get in contact with the show today, please do so on the phones on 056 77 or the text line directly here into the studio, 086-353-7782. And we are streaming live around the world on www.communityradio.kilkennycity.ie. Another packed show for you today, as always. And in a few moments, I'm going to be speaking to the Acting Area Director of the Kilkenny Unit of the Irish Red Cross, Paul Shields. And he's going to tell us all about the Red Cross Unit in Kilkenny and a fundraising initiative that they have coming up uh, very soon actually on the 27th of July and then also later on in the show my colleague Morris O'Connor um, he spoke to Brian Foley who's the Communications and Public Affairs Manager with the Vintners Federation of Ireland and then later on in the show I'll be airing an interview where our colleagues and our friends at Near FM and uh, more importantly Donny Tarrant uh, he spoke to country music legend Louise Morrissey about the country music industry in Ireland. But on the phone now, I should be speaking to Paul Shields. So, good evening, Paul. Hi, Anne. How are you? Not a bother. Welcome to Community Radio Kilkenny City. Thanks a million and thanks for having me. You're more than welcome. Um, So, Paul, you are the acting area director of the Kilkenny unit of the Red Cross. So... I am... Paul, tell us, first of all, tell the listeners a little bit about the Red Cross in Kilkenny. Um, so I've been a member of the Red Cross band for the last nearly four years now. Um, obviously, just an interest in first aid and that, that kind of got me into where I am now. But I love community. I like doing things with community. And during COVID, obviously, we've been very active in the community as well. So the main reason I joined was just for community. And, you know, it's always nice to help people. And speaking there of um, community and COVID, um, no doubt you were busy over that period of time. Are you still out working hard like you were at the, the beginning of the lockdown? Yeah, very much so. Um, we've always kind of had the, the initiative just to keep going and, you know, help as much as we can. And that's kind of always, that's always been the way the whole way through. Um, we are still very busy and we're still doing a lot of fish transport and, and still out the community as much as possible and where needed. And how many members are in the Red Cross in Kilkenny? In Kilkenny, we have um, we have Kilkenny, Carlow, and then we have Thomastown. So we have about 24 in total that will be active at the moment. Um, as you can understand, there's a lot of volunteers, so they have work commitments as well. So we would have about 24 active. And if there's people out there listening and would like to join the Red Cross, how do you go about joining the Red Cross in Carlow, Kilkenny and Thomastown? So you have a number of ways. You can go onto our Facebook page, which is the Irish Red Cross Kilkenny Carlow. Um, you can log on there and send us a message and we'll get back to you. Or you can contact me directly by phone, either. 
And when you join then, um, you do training, no doubt, w- within the, the unit. So how often would you train and upskill? Um, depending on where you want to go, really. I mean, you can go from a first aid level up right up to EMT, which is an emergency medical technician, and um, gives you the opportunity for a further career in the ambulance service. So you can climb as high as you like within the organisation. Um, we train then. Um, every two weeks then in Thomastown but we are looking to start training in Kilkenny once we get numbers And you come into the unit you can come in with no qualifications at all? Yeah, no qualifications at all all, all training is given from from the get-go you basically climb the ladder and you know it's, it's, the training is given to you and as I said you can climb as, as high as you like or stay at one position if, if that's what you feel like but um, even in that sense, like you don't have to come in to do first aid at all. We are, we do be looking for drivers as well. So if driving is your thing, then you can just come on board and drive. It's not necessary to do first aid. And is there an age limit, Paul? Um, no, there is no age limit. Obviously, with the driving, we um, we have to have people 25 and above just for insurance purposes. Um, but other than that, there is no age limit to join Red Cross from a first aid point of view. And in like in some other organisations, you have a, like a cadet unit where younger children can join from a very young age. Does the Red Cross offer that type of yeah. facility? Yeah, the Red Cross has always offered the youth section of it as well. It was something we were looking at this year, but obviously with the current events, it's something that we've had to put on hold for the time being. But again, it's something that we will be we will be revisiting. And people as well um, out there as well, if they're listening, and this is, um, you're out there, you're trying to do fundraising and everywhere is being hit by um, a lack of funding and because of the COVID and because of everywhere being in lockdown. And the Red Cross, no doubt, is the same. Um, If there's people out there and would like to donate, is there a donate page or is there a way that people can donate apart from actual fundraising events is there other ways that people can donate to the unit yeah we actually have a couple of ways there we have um our gofundme page obviously which is linked through our facebook page but we also have um a shopping trolley and collection bucket out in super value in thomaston so we're doing uh, food collection for people and elderly that work cooning and all that so we can distribute out food, and then there's also a bucket attached, so if people don't want to donate food, they can donate money. And that keeps us moving um, with diesel costs and all of the likes and ambulance equipment is, is expensive. So it just keeps our wheels moving, and without that, you know, we, we can't function. And yourselves, you buy all your own equipment? We buy all our own equipment, yeah. We are not government-funded in any way, so any events that we do, whether it be horse events or car rallies or that, that that's how we get our our payments really. Um, we fund ourselves, we pay for our own diesel, our own vehicle maintenance, um, medical supplies, medication, you name it. We pay for it. And part of your um, fundraising or how you get income every day as well is you do hands-on first aid training to the members of the public. Um, would you like to tell us a little bit about that, Paul? Yeah, we, we offer um, first aid courses um, to members of the public um, and we can give them, they, they can do 18-hour courses. So it'll be an initially three-day course um, for your first aid responder and then you can kind of climb the ladder. But it is an option for people to do it and you can go higher up and do your emergency first responder as well or 
as I said, stick with the first aid responder. But they are very good courses and they're well worth people knowing. Even just to know the CPR aspect of it, it's, it's well worth knowing and, and it could save a life. And you offer these courses not just to individuals but also to community groups and schools? Yeah, we offer through the community groups and schools as well. You know, we're always um, happy to come on board with schools and do the courses or just go out and show them the ambulance, show them how things work and, you know, the effects of, you know, what, what we can do. Um, from a volunteer point of view, we are the very same as a uh, functioning ambulance that we can do. From an EMT level, we can do um, the same treatment from that. Our ambulance will be stocked more or less the same as well, so we have the same equipment. Um, but we also offer the service of going out to GAA clubs um, to check their defibrillators are working, batteries are working, and that they're all in serviceable condition. And is this a, f- a charge? Is there a charge for doing this, or is this free uh, of charge? We don't charge. Again, if they if they want to make a donation, they can, but we don't initially charge for the the servicing. And then you have a fundraising event that's coming up on Monday the 27th of July. So would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we've been very um, blessed to have uh, Susan come on board with this idea um, of a Halo Herathon. So Susan has offered to do it on Monday the 27th of July and all proceeds and all money made is going to the Red Cross in Kilkenny. Um, She's very kindly offered to do all this and not take a penny from us. So I'd like to thank Susan for that. Um, there is going to be a raffle in that on the day also. So again, any money raised will, will come to ourselves and keep our wheels moving so we can have community. And if people want to get involved in that, how can they do so? They can book with Susan if they want to go down and um, you know get their hair done or, or whatever. They can book with others. I have phone numbers there. Um, or else they can buy raffle tickets from Susan directly in the shop. Um, or for myself if they want to contact me either. And I see that there's some amazing prizes to be won. Very good prizes, yeah. We have uh, food hampers, um, we have uh, hair hampers, and we have various vouchers from different businesses around. Um, We've had very good support with it. Um, And as I said, Susan's been great. Susan's been collecting prizes and just just fantastic. Um, And just the fact that she hasn't asked her a penny for any supplies that she uses during the day or any wages or anything for staff is just outstanding just to see the community spirit and just people behind us. And is it um, full hair hair treatment or is it maybe just a cut and and blow dry? What exactly is being offered on the day? As far as I know, um, I wouldn't be big into hair now, but as far as I know, it's blow dry. Um, I think just with the current guidelines, I think that's kind of all that they can they can offer at the moment. Again, the phone numbers are there. If, if you want to find out more details, people could ring her and just find out. Um, I'm not 100% on it. And all proceeds from this event is going directly, like you said, to the Red Cross in Kilkenny. In Kilkenny, yeah. So it stays local and um, supports the local Kilkenny Red Cross and just keeps our wheels moving. Keeps us in supplies and obviously if we, we don't have funds, we can't. We can't get out and help the community, um, and we've been doing so all along. So it would be great if the community would get behind us and keep us moving. And you said there that um, the ambulances are all stocked by yourselves and are stocked more or less in line or are in line with the HSC ambulances. So yes. that is very expensive um, to do because the defibrillators cost a couple of thousand alone. Yeah, yeah, we're. 
we're actually only after buying one um, before current events. We've had to re-equip our ambulance with a new ECG monitor and a defibrillator as well. So they are costly. Um, but, I mean, the ambulance can't function without them, so they are a necessity. Um, you know, they are, they are very pricey. Well, Paul, if people are listening out there and they want to donate or they want to get involved, would you like to give out the contact details uh, maybe that people can get in contact and if people want to donate or get involved in the Heraton on the 27th of July? Yeah. Um, do you want my own phone number? If you can, if you, if you, yeah. like, if you wish. Yeah, no problem at all. My own phone number is 85 so that's zero eight five seven eight nine one seven seven four, and that is yeah. to um, get all the information in relation to the Halo Heraton in association with Kilkenny Red Cross, and uh, all proceeds going towards Kilkenny Carlo Red Cross and keeping it local, keeping it in the community, and like Paul said, keep the wheels turning um, because the ambulance can't go out and help people if they don't have the funding behind them. So, uh, Paul, thank you very much for taking the call today. Thanks a million, Anne, for your help. No problem. Thanks a million. Thank you. Bye-bye. So that was uh, Paul Shields, and Paul is the Acting Area Director of Kilkenny Unit of the Irish Red Cross, and he was on to talk about the Halo Hairathon in association with Kilkenny Red Cross, and that is taking place on Monday the 27th of July at Unit 2 Pudding Lane, Kilkenny, from 9.30am. And it's a daily service uh, special of uh, blow dry on the day and a raffle as well on the day for food hampers, hair hampers and various other prizes. And Paul can be contacted on 085-7891-774 for all the information there in relation to the Red Cross. And if you like to join the Red Cross and uh, uh, sign up and be part of the community and it's a volunteer-based um, organisation and a great, great organisation to do Trojan work and Paul said there and I have seen them myself out and about um, at the height of the lockdown and they were out and about and delivered in, um, parcels and delivered in food to people and medication and I did see a few of the volunteers in and out of some of the chemists in Kilkenny collecting medication for people so they do Trojan work in Kilkenny and Carlo and in Thomastown and that number again is zero Zero eight five seven eight nine one seven seven four, and that is Paul Shields, and he's the acting area area director of the Kilkenny unit of the Irish Red Cross. I'm going to go through a quick break and when I come back after the break I will be um, playing an interview where my colleague Morris O'Connor spoke to Brian Foley of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. Des Murphy here to remind you of my Good Morning Kilkenny programme, Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10am for two hours here on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. So join me for seven decades of music, Ashley's favourite three, and on this day in music history... That's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Good morning, Kilkenny, from 10 a.m. to 12 noon with me, Des Murphy. The Voice of the Black and Amber. Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. 
Yes, and welcome back there after that quick break. And if you've just tuned in, you're tuned in to Kilkenny Today with me, Anne Nolan, here on Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. And if you want to get in contact with the show, please do so on the phones on 56 double seven six two seven double seven and the text line zero eight six three five three double seven eight two and we are streaming live around the world on www.communityradioclickennycity.ie now a statement uh, from Crail which is uh, Crail who is uh, the organisation over community radios in Ireland and this is from their website from today and they want to thank their colleagues at uh, near F sorry their colleagues at 92.5 Phoenix FM for hosting the highly successful to 2020 National Community Radio Day, which was held on Friday the 19th of June in spite of having to deal with a pandemic and adhere to social distancing guidelines. Phoenix FM planned and delivered a highly informative and entertaining four-hour broadcast that included interviews with 15 guests live via phone and input by over 60 staff and volunteers from 23 different community stations and presented by four Phoenix FM volunteers who were supported and assisted by five staff members. The broadcast started with Crail Chairman Declan Gibbons and the CEO of the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland, Michael O'Keefe, launching National Community Radio Day. And the two reports assessing the benefit of community radio, a toolkit for community radio, and introducing a social benefit approach to community radio, a comprehension of stories, which is part of the BAI Community Media Action Plan. Declan and Michael spoke about the value of community radio and the importance of holding a national day to celebrate this. Creel and the BAI roles how community radio deliver benefits that are socially impacting on the communities they serve and the forthcoming community radio policy research being carried out by the BAI. So that is a statement from them today and how they are delighted with the success of uh, the 2020 National Community Radio Day which was held on Friday June the 19th and ourselves here were part of that as well and we were delighted to be part of it and lots of our presenters here uh, done little interviews as well and send them to uh, Phoenix FM which were broadcasted up there and uh, lots of other community radio stations from around Ireland they uh, contributed to us as well and uh, like I said later on in the show I will be playing an interview by one of those community radio stations and it's Near FM who is one of our sister community radio stations based in Dublin but um, back to ourselves um, my colleague Morris O'Connor spoke to Brian Foley and it's in relation to the partial opening of the community pubs and um, of the county's pubs and has enabled publicans to start rebuilding their businesses after three months of enforced closure and this is what Morris had to say to Brian Foley. Brian Foley, PR and Communications Manager for the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Welcome to Community Radio Kilkenny City. It's good to, to have you with us. 
Good to chat to you, Morris. Um, Brian, I noticed on your website today, actually, at the local Kilkenny angle, straight away, there's a lovely photograph of your former president and uh, well-known Kilkenny man, Pat Crotty, standing outside his premises. But under it is really the, the meat of it is a, an item saying, just before the pubs reopened, talking about opportunity and responsibility in the partial reopening of the pubs. So, in general, like, how have the membership, um, now that you're open a certain amount of time already, how, how have your members been getting on, kind of making the best of the opportunity and delivering on the responsibility yeah I think we've been open now for just coming up on two weeks um, so I think it's important to remember that it's just pubs serving food that are open so that accounts for maybe 40% of the VFI membership around the country so there's 60% of our members are still uh, closed and will remain closed until the 20th of July uh, so I think we've heard some positive stuff back from members around the country that uh, things are going well for them. It's a, a difficult and challenging time in terms of uh, investing in their premises to get ready for social distancing. Social distancing is going to be a reality uh, for members for some time to come. We're not sure how long, but pubs aren't naturally places where you go to socially distance, so members have had to get their heads around that. Uh, obviously, Speaking about Pat Crotty, Paris, Texas, fine establishment. I've been there many times. Pat's the sort of publican that will embrace that challenge and do it really well. So, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously at the, it's, it's the National Pub of the Year for 2019-2020. Uh, so uh, it would be a great pub to go to and enjoy uh, during this current climate. I know Pat's invested heavily in the pub. So that's the sort of place, you know, that's that that will do well. Um, I haven't spoken to Pat since he's opened. Uh, I know he, the bookings are going well for a lot of places like Paris, Texas. Um, but obviously there's an issue around staffing. Um, you have to have more staff on. Uh, you have less customers coming in because of the uh, one meter rule. Um, so it's a challenge. Uh, mm. It's, it's going to be a challenge for some time to come. But I think for a lot of our members, they just wanted to get open and get trading again. They were closed from the 15th of March till the 29th of June. So to go from normal trading to zero turnover overnight is just was a shock to the system. So they just needed to get back and get money moving through the system again. So in that hopefully, regard, it's very hopefully positive. It is, hopefully it is working out well for those who have been able to open, as you say, with quite a lot of challenges. Um, not least of which would be one of them that there's a lot of talk about and increasingly so in recent days and weeks about the wearing of masks. Now, you can't really be going into a pub and having a drink and eating food and wearing a mask at the same time. But have, have your members, like the owners and operators and the staff in pubs around, pub restaurants around the country, have they been typically wearing masks or not or is there a general picture emerging in the, around that? Uh, well it seems to me uh, from just anecdotally that yeah there's plenty of masks I was in a, uh, I was in a pub uh, the other day um, and certainly ordering food the chef was wearing a mask uh, and the, the staff were all wearing masks uh, you greeted at the door your name and phone number was taken there's plenty of hand sanitizer so you know they, they have embraced the guidelines um, and are doing their best. Uh, they are quite onerous in terms of there are, you know, there are challenges there, not least the time frame, you know, 105 minutes and then you have to ask people to leave. Yeah. Um, but it's a case of publicans, their staff and the customers working together to make this work because yeah. it is a new, as I said, it's a new situation for, for us all and it's a matter of getting used to it. 
Could you envisage your members, for example, <clears throat> now that the COVID tracking app is available on smartphones, could you envisage your members um, asking people to show that they've got it turned on or downloaded as again as a help? Um, it's not something. It's not something we've spoken about yet. Obviously, I downloaded the app myself um, the other day, and uh, something like I think we've already hit a million downloads. Yeah, so I believe. Um, so it's it's something we need guidance from government on. Um, at the moment, we're concentrating on trying to get the guidelines out for the 20th of July. The government still haven't published them to get the remaining 60% of pubs open. Um, but I would imagine if there's anything around the tracker app and temperature control and all of that, it'll come from it'll come from government. And since day one, we've been following, we've been guided by the public health advice, and we'll continue to do so. So. If there's movement on the tracker app about entering premises, it's certainly something um, we'll have to look at. So it's all just part of the spectrum of um, new ways of having to do business um, in for the for the foreseeable future. Anyway, um, one of the other things, of course, that you well know, um, and indeed it would be the case in Paris, Texas, down here in Kilkenny, and um, that the pubs in general are hugely popular places, uh, uh, venues for live music. Um, there may be quite a lot of listeners wondering, well, is that has that been able to resume? Is that allowed any, now? Or what's the story with, with live music and pubs now, as far as you know it, um, Brian? Well, technically, yeah, there's absolutely no uh, problem with having live music. In, in what I mean there is that it's not in the guidelines for reopening on the 29th of June. It wasn't mentioned. So by the mere fact that there's an absence of it being mentioned means that it's allowed. Now given that capacity has been reduced by 50% and publicans are just trying to get people back in the door, I'm not sure how many uh, venues have uh, live music sessions going. You know, I, I just don't know. Um, I don't think it's that big an issue, but technically, yes, music is allowed. Yeah, because certainly, they, um, I suppose the time limit of the, the hour and uh, 40, is it an hour and 45 minutes yeah. might Kind of, yeah, kind of either make that a little bit more difficult depending on how the musicians time their gigs and all the rest. It, it did strike me that that particular timing was very much oriented towards uh, sports bars and the length of time of a soccer match. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the genesis of the time, but yeah, it's certainly a difficult one. Um, and regard, look, just getting back to music, you know, given the constraints that the pubs are working under, you know, you've got to say most of them wouldn't have the funds to invest in live music at the moment anyway. So I think it's somewhat of a moot point. But as I say, technically, they are allowed music, but I don't think that many, many of them are doing it. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that um, emerges over the, the coming yeah. weeks. Um, I know, uh, speaking of the coming weeks, um, and you mentioned at the top of the chat there with us, Brian, um, that really the next... Milestone, I suppose, along the way, yourselves and your members in the Vintners Federation of Ireland are waiting for are the announcement of the 20th of July guidelines. Um, and that's, I suppose, both for full, well, permitting full pub reopening, and then it also seems to be tied into uh, more clarity on travel arrangements and particularly incoming tourism. Um, what are your expectations for the 20th of July, or what are you hoping for? Well, look, as we sit here today, Morris, um, we are still expecting pubs to open on Monday the 20th of July. It's phase four of the easing of the lockdown restrictions. Every other phase went smoothly. What happens is the government meet the Friday beforehand, rubber stamp the uh, the deal, so to speak, and then everything opens up on the, the, the Monday. And uh, that's what happened phase three when restaurants and pubs serving food were allowed open. Phase four is the remaining pubs. So 
the problem is that to to reopen we need the guidelines and they haven't been published yet mm-hmm. and we're only a week away so there's obviously considerable anxiety amongst uh, publicans as to where the guidelines are and why they haven't been published yet mm-hmm. so obviously we're working hard in the background trying to get the guidelines but there's no sign of them and um, so that's obviously raising anxiety levels at this stage because like you've got to remember that, that the publicans that are still closed uh They'll, they'll have been closed four months by the time they've reopened. They've done the responsible thing. They followed the guidelines. They followed the government advice and they closed for the good of public health. Here we are a week away from reopening and the government haven't given them their reopening guidelines. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of confusion about what they might have to do. A lot of pubs, especially rural pubs, you know, the bar counters, where is the action's at? People don't sit down the back at a table a lot of guys a lot of people mm. like to sit up at the bar are bar stools allowed are you allowed to sit at the bar these are sort of questions that we're getting asked all the time we can't answer them um, and that's where the frustration lies as things stand yes all pubs will be opening on Monday the 20th of July but a, with a week to go we still don't have the guidelines in so we're yeah, in the dark yeah. and that's, well, they'll, they will reopen I presume one way or the other uh, guidelines or not, but obviously you'd prefer to have clear uh, and obvious guidelines that your members could address and prepare for and whatever work with. Well, yeah, if we're being consistent, we actually have to wait for the guidelines, you know, so um, why why wouldn't the government publish them would be the question I would ask. So um, they need to do it and they need to do it quickly. The other thing, of course, you'll be hoping for um, won't be July 20th, I presume, but it might be announced as part of the government's announcement of the entire kind of economic stimulus package that they've been talking about for the last few weeks, uh, even before the new government was formed, is uh, that you'll be hoping for, I think, a reduction in um, the VAT rate uh, on alcohol and possibly um, other sales from within the, the pub trade. Um, last time around uh, in the last recession, this is very much a kind of a get people back coming into pubs again, stimulate demand. But there's a whole change in kind of philosophy and way of looking at it this time around, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And this really is a request stemming from the coronavirus crisis. It it wouldn't be there unless it was for this crisis. So we're looking for a a reduction in VAT on alcohol sales in the on-trade in bars and pubs. So currently the VAT on alcohol is at 23%. We're looking to reduce it to 9% temporarily until the end of the year simply to help publicans get through the crisis the fact that they've reduced capacity there's no tourists there's no business around all of that so um it would make a meaningful difference to them because this reduction normally when you're looking for reduction you want to pass it on to customers so you would see a price reduction in the price of your pint what we're saying is well actually give publicans the the VAT reduction but they keep prices they don't raise prices but they keep them at what they are now Mm. so effectively they get that 14% uh, difference they keep it it's it's a business stimulus not a demand stimulus we're not looking to uh, we're not looking to lower prices we're looking to keep them the same and just to keep the businesses going because what what publicans indeed what all small businesses are facing over the next um, six months is going to be very challenging. So the the VAT the VAT request simply reflects that new reality. Yeah, are you optimistic about that? Well, that's a good question, Morris. Um, look, the decision's going to be made next week. I would imagine the announcement's going to come. Uh, well, it'll definitely come before the end of July. So look, we put the request in. We're talking to government, every sector. 
was putting requests in. Tourism, hospitality is uniquely exposed to what coronavirus did in terms of closing all the businesses and all the job losses. So this would be a meaningful uh, difference to to our sector. So at this moment, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, and hopefully uh, the sector will will survive anyway because it is um, a fundamental kind of part of, I suppose, the fabric of the country for all sorts of, from all sorts of different angles, whether it's for convening for meetings or sports events or music or tourism and hospitality, reaching out and whatever. It's it's part of what it's certainly part of what people come to Ireland for to get that bit of um, Irish pub experience. It'd be a shame if it uh, if it disappeared, especially in the smaller country pubs, which are probably the ones most under threat. They are, and yeah, the, the Irish pub, you know, it's, it's unique, and in poll after poll conducted, I think it's over 90% of tourists will visit a pub when they're in Ireland, like it's phenomenal, you know, it's mm-hmm. absolutely phenomenal how important pubs are um, to our tourism trade, but also, as you say, they're, they're just woven into the fabric of local communities, they're where we meet, they're where we come together. It would be a tragedy to lose our small rural small urban pubs um hopefully that's not going to happen they're fairly resolute bunch of people they survived the recession uh, largely intact and innovated and came up with new ideas about how to get people in the doors but the pub of today is a long way removed from the pub of 30 or 40 years ago it really isn't just about um drink anymore mm-hmm. it's uh, it's about so much more so and i think the yeah the pub of the pub of the end of 2020 is probably going to be very far removed from the pub of the start of 2020 but uh, hopefully most of them the vast majority of them will still survive anyway look it's been a pleasure talking to you brian thanks very much for joining us and uh, very best wishes to yourself the vfi and to your membership in particular thank you morris good chatting to you Community Radio Kilkenny City. Local like you. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. Hi, this is Paul Sheridan inviting you to join me on Tuesdays between 12 and 2 for Good Afternoon Kilkenny where I'll take a look at some of the news on this day. So join me Tuesdays between 12 and 2 on Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM and online at communityradiokilkennycity.ie The Voice of the Black and Amber Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM Yes, and welcome back after that uh, quick break. Um, before the break there, um, I aired an interview between Brian Foley, who's the Communications and Public Affairs Manager with the Vintners Federation of Ireland. And he was speaking to our own Morris O'Connor um, about the pubs opening and uh, the opening next weekend and what plans are being put in place uh, for the um, opening of these pubs. And also as well, we the the whole issue around the music industry and are they allowed to have music and is there going to be yes or no or maybe and what is the the story on the whole issue of music in the pubs and uh, a text there said that he thinks that the pub landlords need to talk to the musicians and uh, they should come up with something and uh, in other words he should chat with the musicians, the pub landlords maybe should chat with the musicians that are uh, regulars there in their own establishments or maybe the ones that are planning on coming in there and maybe to get a kind of a, a guideline of what the do's and don'ts are but uh, Donny Tarrant from Near FM in, in uh, Dublin who is one of our sister community radio stations 
And he spoke to international singing and European Gold Star Award winner Louise Morrissey, who is from Bansha, County Tipperary, about her career and the highs and lows and the business of the music business in Ireland, especially the country music business in Ireland, and about her latest musical release. And Donny began by asking Louise about the effects of COVID-19 on the music industry. It, it's gone, Donny, yes. Um, you know, it's, you know, sure, look, everybody knows, literally overnight, it's like that the rug was pulled out from under every one of us, right across the board, um, all, all singers, musicians, people in theatres, arts, musicals, you know, everything right across the board in music and entertainment is gone. And, and I suppose none of us really know, Donny, when it's going to come back, because... You know, while the virus is there, it, it's not safe. And that is the reality of it. And, you know, people have to be kept safe. And I, I don't know, you know, just looking at Facebook there and, and all that over the last few weeks, you know, a lot, a lot of people are very anxious and very worried out there and, and stuff, um, you know, as to when we can come back. And, you know, if, if, you know, from a financial point of view for people to earn their living again and stuff. And... You know, none of us know. We, we, that, that is the bottom line. We don't know when we're coming back. But, um, you know, I think they have to figure out some way that they're going to be able to do it as well. I mean, with social distancing, it's going to be very difficult, you know, to, to run concerts, theatres, if people have to keep certain distance apart and all that. And, and even at dances and everything, I, I just don't know how they'll manage it. And, and for having, you know, people mi- mixing and mingling and dancing and all that, it's it's a difficult one, really. So, you know, we just have to wait and see what's going to happen, you know. Well, it's going to be impossible, Louise. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I've been to several of your gigs and I I fully know and I appreciate and I'm really proud of the crowds that you can pull. I mean, forget about social distancing and the likes of that. It's just just impossible. As a matter of interest, Louise, and just into the business a little bit, when Louise Morrissey goes on tour, how many people are on the road let's be honest, we call it the country phrase, drawing a wage out of Louise Morrissey. Well, yes. Um, I would be, I, I work a lot with the Ryan Turner band, so you've got the uh, you've got the three boys and uh, there's usually, you know, somebody will be there, you know, to give the boys a hand with the gear, so there's four and myself five. You know, so there'd, there'd be five of us working a lot of the time, but, but 99.9% of the time, we're working on shows with a lot of other singers as well. And, um, you know, between when you go into a venue, you know yourself, you've got the people who who are in the band, you've got the people who are working in the venue, bar staff, uh, if it's if it's in a theater, the, you know, the box office staff, people that are working backstage, the guys looking after lighting and sound, you know, like it, it amounts to a lot of people who are all uh, taking a wage out of. The, the the entertainment industry, you know, in some shape or form, you know, some of the some of the singers are carrying very large bands nowadays. Um, you know, they they could have six or seven or eight guys plus themselves on stage, you know, and then their road crew and everything, you know. So it, it's a lot of people. It, it adds up to a lot of people. It does, it does indeed, Louisa. When you multiply that in by the amount of bands who are on the road and start adding in, you know, as you say and. Typical one. Look at the amount of fuel that you would burn in a year. Look at the amount of, you know, you'd be stopping for food when you're on the road. Like there's a spin-off to this that people don't realise that is just like you said, vanished like the flick of a switch yeah. overnight. It's true. I mean, you're you're going to be stopping at a garage for fuel. You'll get something to eat. 
you'll more than likely stop somewhere on the way home again in the middle of the night at a, a garage where you can get something to eat again. So, like, it's, a, it's all, of the, you know, th- those people as well, you know, that indirectly you're, you're contributing, you know, as well to that, you know, you're buying your petrol or your diesel or whatever, you're buying your clothes, your stagewear, your makeup, you know, the girls that, that will be doing all of that um, to try and keep ourselves looking as well as we can, recording studios, you know everything, um, and even a lot of people that that go out to the the gigs and the shows nowadays, they they'll do an overnight in in a local hotel, or if the concert or dance is on in a hotel, they'll stay. A lot of people will stay overnight as well, and they'll have their dinner at the hotel before the show, and they'll have their breakfast the next morning. So yeah, like it's it, it's like a big circle of of people that that are that are affected by this, really, you know? Yeah, and that's a lot of money that isn't uh, circulating around the economy as well, Louise. Listen, we'll we'll talk about Louise Morrissey for a moment. Uh, Now, it has to be a moment, Louise, because we are kind of, with the COVID restrictions, even they affect us here in live radio. Oh, I know. (laughs) But if we were to talk about Louise Morrissey, we would be here until Christmas because there was so (laughs) much to talk about. I am fortunate enough, Louise, that I am young enough to remember when Louise Morrissey started as the little sister in the Morrisseys way back with Billy and Norman. Yes. <laughs> I, I was all of 12 years old when I started. I, I, do you know what I, when I think back, I, we, were, we were very, very young. And, you know, when you think back now, you say, oh my God, like it seemed fine at the time and we enjoyed it and it was great fun. And, and we were still at school and everything. But but when you think back on it now, you'd say it was madness, really. <laughs> you know, to to be out and, and working so much at that young age. But it was kind of, it was normal to us, you know. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, I've been in music for just such a long time and, and, and all that. And, and I suppose it's just, it's a way of life for me, you know. It has just well, totally become y- a way of life. Your yeah. nickname is the Banshee Last because you come from Banshee in County <laughs> Tipperary, uh, Louise. I do. But I mean, yeah. was music a big part of the family growing up, like at the evening time, or was there always music in the house? There was. There was always music in the house. Both my parents were musical. And my father, as a young man, um, my father was a farmer. We were reared on a farm. And my father played in a local band you know up to the time that he got married and he and he gave it up then but um he used to play saxophone and he used to play fiddle and he was a lovely singer as well and also my mother played piano and she had a lovely voice so music was very much encouraged at home in our house from 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 literally from the day we were all born it was just part of life family get-togethers um sing songs you know visitors would come in you'd have to sing a song for them you know that kind of thing and yeah you know we just grew up with that and like other families would be maybe all sport with them or whatever but but in our house and and i know like other other families musical families even tuned in to the show here today would would know what i'm talking about you know it it was the same for them just very much it was it was a total way of life louise i'm trying to rush through this because i'm just no i can do this off the top my head because I know your 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 yeah. musical history so well, but it, there's a couple of things which jumped out at me here. Uh, you've toured nearly every country in the world. I mean, Ireland and the UK. Well, I mean, look, the UK is taken as granted. Yep. America, Canada, all the countries in Europe, the Middle East, and one that I didn't know about, Louise, 1994, you went to the Lebanon. 
to entertain the uh, UN peacekeeping troops. Tell me a small bit about that, Louise. Yes, yeah, that, that was a great experience. Something, something that we'll will always remember. Um, yeah, we were invited out by the Irish Army Press Office at the time. They used to bring out, you know, an Irish band you know, once every six months to entertain the troops. You'd go out and stay there for a week. So a lot of the Irish singers would have done this over the years. And uh, we were invited to, to go, and we were only delighted to go. So myself and the band. And it, it was just a great experience, something just completely different. And, like, we had gone out there, um, it was at, just after the Gulf War, and, you know, even just to be picked up at the airport, to, you know, we flew into Beirut and were picked up by the Irish UN um, troops, you know the the soldiers, and and like you know to be to to be brought back to uh, the base Camp Shamrock with in, in a big convoy like that in itself was just like really different and exciting and something that we had never experienced anything like that before, and I'm sure we never will again, you know. But we were looked after so well, and and we just had a great time, and we we just did a few little. Uh, shows, you know, throughout the week at, at, uh, around the different um, camp areas that where the Irish uh, troops were, were based and, and it was just such great fun and, and as I said, just completely different but really really enjoyable experience, something I'll always remember. Louise, just before you go, and it's just something I'd like you to comment on, it's just yeah. kind of it's a spin off from what you just said there. how big a part does community local and and you know the small radio stations around the country play in your industry it they huge absolutely huge um i mean you know stations like yourselves near fm all the community radio stations the regional stations around the country internet stations you know everybody it's very very important and without all of you we would be lost because you're all marvellous to play us and to constantly play country music all the time and, and, and other Irish artists as well. Um, and it's, you know, we, we would be lost without all of you. And it's, you're very, very important to us. Yes, and that was country music star Louise Morrissey from Bansha County Tipperary talking to Donnie Tarrant from Near FM about her highs and lows in the music industry in Ireland and how she started out at tender age of 12 and is going strong and going from strength to strength ever since. And uh, also as well with that tied in with the fact of the pubs and uh, the uncertainty of the music industry and uh, the the people, the music uh, background of the people from a musical background and the uncertainty of whether they're going to be allowed to play in the pubs um, soon or if it's going to take months still due to COVID-19 and the restrictions and the social distancing restrictions that are in place. Um, That is about all I have time for on the show today and I wish to thank Paul Shields who is from the Irish Red Cross, the Kilkenny branch of the Irish Red Cross. And he was talking to me about the Red Cross unit in Kilkenny. And uh, just a quick, um, uh, to let you know that Halo Hair, uh, they're holding a Halo Hairathon in association with the Kilkenny Red Cross. And that will take place on Monday the 27th of July at Unit 2 Pudding Lane, Kilkenny from 9.30am. And uh, daily special 
specials of blow dry on the day and a raffle as well on the day for food hampers, hair hampers and various other prizes all kindly donated by the businesses around Kilkenny and uh, shopping local, keeping it local and supporting local and uh, everyone supporting each other and Paul said in the interview that the ambulances won't be able to keep going if people don't donate and to keep the wheels of the ambulances turning as he said himself um, so thanks again to Paul Shields Acting Area Director of Kilkenny Unit of the Irish Red Cross and also as well thanks to Morris O'Connor and Brian Foley and um, Morris was speaking to Communications and Public Affairs Manager of the Vintners Federation of Ireland Brian Foley and uh, thanks again to Morris and to Brian and also as you heard there to Louise Morrissey who was talking to Donny Tarrant from Near FM about her career in the music industry in Ireland starting out at the tender age of 12 that is all I have time for on the show today Stay tuned for more great programmes coming up after me. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.